Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Second Kings chapter number 25, verse 27, if you've found it, shout amen. And it came to pass, that's one of my favorite scriptures. No matter how bad it is, If you be the Lord's, it'll come to pass. Now, if you're not his, it's just going to get worse. But if you belong to God, you can take that right there to the bank, and it came to pass. In the 7 and 30th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 7 and 20th day of the month, that Abel, now this is spelled, it looks like evil, but it's pronounced Abel Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, out of prison. And he spake kindly to him and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon and changed his prison garments and he did eat bread continually before him all the days of his life and his allowance was a continual allowance given him of the king a daily rate for every day all the days of his life. Father, I love you. I thank you for the time, the place, the people, for the opportunity to preach what thus saith the Lord. I pray God would fill my mouth and guard my tongue and preach me with accuracy inside the writ. Lord, we pray that you'd touch every heart in the house today. God, we'd leave this place walking a little straighter, stepping a little higher. As Randall said, have our ear inclined toward you because you have your ear inclined toward us. Save the lost that's gathered here today, the one that's cold and indifferent, backed up, out of fellowship with you. We pray, God, you'd do your work through your word, Lord. Use this preacher one more time. Let me preach like a dying man to dying people. For the glory of my king, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And they, I want to preach on this thought this morning. From a dungeon to a dining hall. From a dungeon to a dining hall. I've studied, I've chewed on these scriptures for years. Always was a little twisted up by it. We know that it began with, with after, after Josiah tried to have revival and it didn't come in the last days of Judah before it went into captivity. Now, folks are trying to have revival now, but revival's hard to have. I hope that thing that's going on in Kentucky is of the Lord. I pray that it is. I don't know. I've not been there. I just say if it is, God bless them, and if it's not, God shut her down. But there's trying to have a revival. Josiah tried to have one. He died. Jehoahaz, his son, came in. He's no good. He don't last very long. Jehoiakim, his son, come in. His son, Jehoiakim, comes in. He's no good. He doesn't last long. Then Jehoiachin, that we're seeing here in 2 Kings, comes in, and he's just a young lad, about 18 years old, thereabouts. And he comes in, and something happens. They get overrun by an enemy nation, and they take him captive. For 37 years, this boy's in a land 
And not only is he in a land, but you know where he's at? He's not only in a land, Brother Steve, but he's in prison. They've got him locked up, bound up. There he is. He didn't ask to be there. But he didn't do what God had bid him do. Had he only done what God bid him done, it might have prevented him from being in prison. But Jerusalem was too far gone to turn around. Now, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I'm preaching about the goodness of God. But I want you to know, friend, America's too far gone to turn around. Do you know that 65% of the young people today live together instead of getting married? In 1965, only 6% of people lived together before marriage. And it is 65% today. Hey, sin is a reproach to any people. And that's the way it is. Oh, it gets quiet right there when you preach about that. Shacking up today is the norm. But it's still sin in the eyes of God. Here it is. Jehoiachin is taking captivity and he's brought in. Now Daniel is already there. Daniel is taken captive. You can learn this. Daniel's taken captive when Jehoiakim is, 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 is brought down from being king in Judah. So Je- Daniel's already in the land. Jehoiachin comes in. Jehoiachin's put in the prison. I've read this over and over. Why? Why would this guy do this? Why would he bring him out of prison? Why didn't he, Brother Jerry? Why didn't he just leave him in prison and let him rot? He should, I mean, it wasn't normal to bring the enemy. Here's what the norm was. When you captured a potentate or a king or a ruler from another land, they brought him before the king. The king put his foot on his neck and somebody cut his head off. And that's how it worked back in them days. Throwed you out in the back 40 somewhere, let the buzzards eat you. Hey, but he didn't do that. He's in prison. He's not only in prison, but he lifts up his head. And he brings him out of prison. Now, some say, some say this was an encouragement to the Jew when the Jew heard this, but and it could have been to the ones in captivity when they heard that in prison but now he's been brought out of prison that would have been a great encouragement would you not agree you know what put him in prison sin 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 brought surrender sin brought him down you know what sin will do in your life it'll bring you down it'll bring you down It'll bring you down, bring your family down, bring your testimony down, bring your church down, bring everything down around you down. Sin brings us down. Sin brings the preacher down. Sin brings the, 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 the singer down. Sin, sin brings the layman down. Sin brings us down. Sin was the problem here. Sin put this guy in the prison. So he's in the prison. But while he's in the prison... He's in the prison when he was in Judah and still in the prison today. You know where he's living? He's still under the law. He's in the prison and he's under the law. The law at that time, Brother Branch, even though they're not paying attention to the law, the law 
is in full backdropping. There's no sacrifice being made, therefore their sin's not being put back there every year, therefore their sin is up on them, and that same reproach is on them, that sin brings to everybody. There it is, and he's under the law. And you know what that does? You know what the law does? The law just convicts us. The law, he was bound and burdened. That's what the law does. Why? Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law shows us where we stand before God. But there, here we are before God, and we don't look too good. We're not looking good. Come back tonight, you can sing. I promise you, you should come back tonight. We don't look too good before him. There it is, under the law. Mike McCoy before an almighty God today is a mess. On your best day, you don't measure up to what you should be before God. Don't you look at nobody else and point that long bony finger at them. Get in front of a mirror and say, what I look like before God because you don't look too good. So it's something wrong with your church. You show me a church where there's not something wrong. Bless God. And I'll say you're lying. I've been here too. I've been in this too long. Every, I know how you live. We all got problems. He's bound and burdened under the law. He can't make a sacrifice. Why? Because he's tied up. As a matter of fact, there's not even a temple for him to take a sacrifice to. What are you going to do now? It's no place for sacrifice. And I chewed this rattle for years. And one day I was sitting in my desk and the Holy Ghost, Brother Kevin, just turned the light on for me. I love it when he does that. He just turned the light on for me. And you know what? As I began to meditate on this, here's what the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and gave me understanding. You know how your understanding comes in the Word of God? By the Spirit of God. It's spiritually discerned. The flesh can't know it. The flesh is enmity against God. You can read it like a novel and not get anything out of it. But when the Spirit reveals something to you, you know He guides you in all truth. And I'm sitting there, and I'm telling you, I'm thinking on this, and it just looks like a clear picture. You know what that was, Randy? It was the law of the Father that put him in jail. It was the law of the Father that put him in jail, Mike Rimmer. But you know what it was? It was the grace of the Son that brought him out. <laughs> it was the grace of the Son that brought him out. It's dangerous to preach tradition. But when I read this, it set my soul on fire. They said that during the time that Nebuchadnezzar went out in left field, remember when he checked out for a little while, they said that Abel done some things that made him mad. So when he come back to his mind, he put his own son in prison. Tradition teaches, and it just fits or I wouldn't be sharing it. Tradition says, Jewish tradition says, that while the son was in the place where the king was, he developed a relationship. 
he developed a relationship with him. And when he got out, he said, hey, when I get out, you're coming out. Glory to God. Some of you Bible students got that. The rest of you need to go home and think about it. That's a picture of what Jesus done. He became flesh. He became sin. He became, made himself of no reputation. He came where we were that he might bring us out when he got out. Andy Patterson would say, is anybody alive out there? Quickly. The father's law. The son's grace got him out. Then I'm going to come right down the road with what he done for him when he brought him out. Number one, he pulled him out of the prison. He pulled him out of the prison. He didn't leave him in there. If the Son hath made you free, free indeed, A-plus class. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. If he's made you free, you're free indeed. There he was. He's free indeed. He pulled him out of the prison. Get a hold of this right here. Let this sink in. He hath brought me also up out of a horrible pit. And I of the miry clay and set my feet up on a rock. Establish my goings. He's pulled me out of the pit. Hey, listen, people say free will Baptists don't know if they're going to heaven. You look up here real, real that I'm going to heaven. I heard this story the other day. I was in a hospital visiting someone, and, and I was kind of, I was kind of, I was bent down in my spirit. My spirit's been down. I've been on my way out. You can't get yourself. You can't. Somebody has to pull you out. Jehoiachin couldn't get out of the pen on his own. The king's son, the prince, the now king, mm -hmm, had to say, go get him and get him out of there. I heard this story the other day in the hospital. I had to wait on someone to attend to him. And God's timing's perfect. A guy dinged me. And, and, and I just, I was sitting there waiting anyway, so I, he said, brother, you've got to hear this. He said, You'll, this will help you today. Turned it on. His brother Josh Myers from Frog Chapel sent me this. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there in the hospital. I turn this thing on. I hold it up in my ear so it won't make a lot of noise. And this story, he said, I went to visit someone. And he said, there was a little boy and a dog in the front yard. And we're sitting on the porch. He said, when I first sat down there, I didn't pay it much mind. Brother Austin, he said this about it. He said, every time that boy moved, that dog moved. He said, every time that boy sat down, that dog climbed up in his lap. He said, every time that child would take a step, that dog took a step. He said, it didn't matter what that boy done, that dog was right there. Said he could not shake that little feist dog. And he asked the guy, he said, listen, he said, can I ask you a question? He said, I've never seen a dog interact with a, with a child before. And I've seen them like them, lick on them a little or, or jump around, want them to throw a ball, fetch or whatever. He said, but this thing will not, I've been watching, he will not leave that boy's side. That boy steps, the dog steps. 
The boy sets down the dog, crawls in his lap. He said, the dog just will not lose contact with the boy. Can you tell me how he trained him to do that? He said, well, it's a funny story. We were here at home, and he said, our old septic tank had messed up, and the top was off of it, and we was waiting to pump it out. And we put in a new system and said, we're out there working and said, we heard this, this, this slight yelp. Said, and we're looking around and we can't find out where this is coming from. Said, my boy, said, my boy starts following and said, he looks over there and he said, there's that little dog. He's not our dog. He just showed up. He didn't belong to me. He said, and that dog in that septic mess. And he said, that little boy walked over and looked at him and said, Daddy, said, we got to get him out. He said, son, that dog's gone. We'll just let him drown. And said, we'll, and we pump it out and then we'll, we'll just throw him away. That little boy looking at that dog and that little old dog is yipping. He said, Daddy, we can't let him die. He said, well, son, I'm not getting in there. He said, I'll get in there. He said, son, you're not getting in there. He said, I will too. He said, well, go get the ladder. Said that boy went and got a ladder, stuck it down in that stuff, and said he started down in there. Said he's about chest deep in that muck and stuff. And said that little dog trying to swim away, and said he grabbed at him, and the dog bit him. And said he grabbed at him again, and the dog don't want to come. He said, finally, he got a hold of the dog, and the dog couldn't get away. He said he climbed up out of there and went to the water hose, began to wash himself off. Said he washed that little old dog. Said in a minute he gave him something to eat and dried him off. He said that little dog finally realized what had happened. He said, that dog will die before it gets away from him. Hallelujah. That's where we were. We were in that kind of mess. He heard our voice, my cry, my supplication. He come down into this mess for me. Praise God. Pull me up out of here. Wash me off. Dog. If he moves, I want If he sets down, I want to sit down. Glory to God. That's a picture of what he done for us. He pulled him up out of the prison. Then just pull him up. He done this for him. He put new garments on him. He didn't leave him in the same clothes. Isaiah 61 and 10 said, He hath clothed me in garments of salvation. Does it not spark your interest that that's plural? Why didn't he just clothe me in a garment of salvation? But he hath clothed me in garments. Of salvation. You know what salvation is? It's a two-part equation. The grace of God that brings salvation appeared unto all men. The grace of God is abundant and free. Anybody, listen, it is available. But we're saved by grace. Oh, my goodness. Through what? Through faith. What is that? Is that grace only? No. Is that not just, is that just faith only? No, it's not. It's a two-part equation. You know what that equation equals? Salvation. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm glad to report today. 
and he has changed my wardrobe. He has put me in garments of salvation. Aren't you glad this morning, if you're born again, you ought to say hallelujah. Devil, I keep us beat down, sorry. He don't want you to have any joy. He don't want you to go on. If anybody knows about tragedy, my family does. He wants us to quit. He don't want us to continue. It'd be easier just to pull the covers up over your head and lay here until you die and let God take you home. He didn't leave you here for you to die and sit until you die and he takes you home. He left everybody here for a reason. Is anybody with me today? Has he clothed you with something? Oh, yeah. You know what he said in Revelation 19, 8? He said, fine linen, and the, the, the wardrobe that he seen the bride dressed in was fine linen. You know what that is? It's the righteousness of the saints. You know what his, my righteousness is today? It's like the stuff in that septic tank. That's exactly what my righteousness is. It's like the stuff in the septic tank. But you know what his righteousness is? It's right. <laughs> it's right. And you know how I'm accepted, Randall? In the beloved. <laughs> So praise God. What does that mean? That means he put fine linen on me. What is that? That's his righteousness that he gave to us. He became sin who knew no sin. What we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He put that on us today. Isn't it good to be right with God? He not only pulled him up, he put the new garments on him. But you come right down the line, here's what you're going to find. He provided him daily bread. Gordon talking about being poor. Now, we lived uptown. We always had a well to draw from. I never had to go to the creek or the spring to carry the water. At Granny's, Ledbetter's down on Potato Farm, drop that thing to Papa, Mom, somebody'd say, Son, get some water. Drop that thing down the well. Ernie, you drink out of that same well a hundred times. You'd hear it. Bloop. When you got the blah, 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 it's full. And you draw her up. The bucket's sitting there. This is complete. This is a foreign language to many of you in this room today. But to a few of us old timers, you'd take that bucket. You'd hoist that thing up. Uh, chains were better than ropes. I learned that. Ropes are burned out of time. Uh, chains are better. And you used it so often, you'd get it rusting up. And you'd just pull that lever, and it would fill that two-and-a-half-gallon bucket up. And you carry that in the house. And everybody that come in the house drink out the same bucket and the same dipper. That didn't bother me until Zani Bilbrey showed up at our house. There's my witness. Zani Bilbrey showed up at Grand, Granny and Pawpaw's. He always had tobacco running down his face. He didn't spit. He just drew. It just run out. I always wanted the dipper washed and fresh water after Zani had been to the bucket. I'm not making that up. I've got witnesses here today that'll amen me on this. I've got more than one way. I've got two witnesses here that'll amen that today. But he provided him every day, Paul, with bread at his table. Don't you know that mold, that molded bread and stuff that he'd been being served when he's down in the, in the dungeon and all of a sudden he gets to the dining hall and he sits down at the king's table and they bring him roasted lamb 
and some of that fresh bread that's just come out of that brick kiln and that stuff. So, and they got the milk and the butter there to put on that bread. Lord, let's go to Cracker Barrel. And, and that, that stuff's a melting. And Randy, you could smell it all over the dining hall. And the guy looks at the king. And the king says, eat all you want. You mean I can have this whole loaf? I got enough loaf. That one, eat all you want. I got more than you can eat. Glory to God. Has he not brought us up, set us at the table, feed us with his bread? I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We may have been poor, drawing our water and going to an outhouse, but I'm telling you, there was bread on the table. So he gave him something every day. I'll never forget this story. I nearly wrecked when I heard down the road. Ed Ballou told this. I, and I, 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 I met him a time or two. Heard him preach, but I, I wasn't. He, I couldn't say he was my friend. I, he was my brother in the Lord, but I didn't know him personally, like some of the fellows I know. <laughs> but I heard him tell this story. He was going down the. He'd been to preach somewhere, and it's not like this nowadays. Now some places don't give you much of an offering, but most places give you a good offering. He said he'd been to preach somewhere. Now to these places where they didn't give you nothing. And he'd, he'd, uh, he'd used his gas money, and so what money he had, he had to put in the car to get back to the house. And he didn't have a red cent in his pocket, if I'm remembering. Jewel, you've heard the story, I know. If I'm remembering the story right, he said he didn't have a red cent in his pocket. And they passed one of them signs, and there it was, Cracker Barrel, or what, the restaurant. I don't remember which restaurant it was, but it had a big picture of chicken and dumplings on it. And his little girl was in the back seat and said, Daddy, please stop and get And he said, the devil said to me, you don't have the money to buy your family chicken and dumplings. He said, we was getting close to that exit. I seen that sign again, and I just whipped off, and my wife said, what are you doing? He said, we're about to get chicken and dumplings. She said, you know just like I do that you don't have a red cent in your pocket. He said, no, but that little girl's in the back seat, hungry. She's not had anything to eat. She's asking for chicken and dumplings, and her daddy's going to get her some. Said, we pulled in that parking lot, walked in there like we owned the place, sat down at the table, said, said, what do you have? Said, we'll all have some chicken and dumplings and tea and bring us something else to drink, milk for the kids or whatever it was they drank that day. Bring us something to drink, and we're all going to have some. Said his wife sitting there staring at him. Said, they're eating that chicken and dumplings. Said, he got finished. That little girl said, Daddy, these are the best chicken and dumplings I think I've ever eaten. Said, we had all finished our meal. Said, I was looking for the waitress, and I was going to flag her down. And I was going to tell her, hey, I don't have any money. So I'll bust the tables. My family will wait in the car. And literally, I'll go to the kitchen, wash the dishes for this meal. But I didn't have no money and we was hungry. And so I didn't know what else to do. He said he flagged the girl down. She passed him by. He tried to flag her down. She passed him by. She said, what's he doing? He's trying to flag her down. Finally, she comes over to the table. He said, hey, honey. He said, I need to tell you. I can't pay for this meal. 
She said, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay for it. Said there's somebody sitting back there seeing you come in. Said that's preacher Ed Blue. Said he is preaching when my daddy got saved. Whatever they ordered today's on me. It's not going to cost them a dime. He said I walked out of there like the king's son that I am. Saying praise God I've never been forsaken. He not only gave him bread every day, but he done this. He paid him an allowance. He paid him an allowance. That's right there in the Bible. Now, why does he need an allowance? The king's supplying everything he needs. What's he going to do with his allowance, Dennis? He certainly doesn't need it. I've just told you, he pulled him out, he put him in new garments, he provided him daily bread. Why is he giving him an allowance? Because somebody after him is going to need it. He covered it in Sunday school. Somebody coming behind him is going to have something to give them. He's not going to need it himself. Can I give you the scripture? Mind this, mind this. Paul's in the prison when he writes Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul's in prison writing that. How could he be so sure about that? Because even in the pen, God's taking care of Paul. It's in the that was occupied for years by a man named Eurus Stone. Now, a lot of people in this room knew Eurus and knew him for years. We 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 had we we done things with Eurus. We took him places. He was he was there. He was the most unique individual that I ever had the privilege of knowing. And I never, 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 out of the nearly thirty years I knew him, long time, I never heard Eurus Stone say one bad thing about anybody and he wouldn't use the word hell he'd say I don't want to see anybody go to that other place and you know the story Jason is worried that time there wasn't hardly nobody showed up we had a fundraiser hardly nobody showed up Eura saw the box put a dollar in it God give us a thousand dollars that night with just a handful of people he took yours. His yours said, "I got a dollar." I said, "Yours, we don't need your last dollar. Oh. If you're taking, I've got a dollar. I'm going to put it in the box." Went over there. His only dollar, the only dollar, put it in the box. God gave us a thousand dollars that night from one dollar. Yours died. They called him the nursing home. The family sitting there staring at him. And they said, the nurse and said, Brother Stone, they, we think Brother Stone's passed away and the family wants you to come. I walked into the room. Eurus is in the bed. They're all sitting there staring at him. And I said, did Brother Eurus make it to heaven? He raised up and said, hello, Brother Mike. <laughs> I said, he ain't dead. <laughs> He's very much alive. And that's the, night, that's the night that he asked me if I could hear him. And I told him I couldn't hear him. I said, 
It took me a second to realize what he's talking about. I said, I don't hear them. Yours. I said, I wish I could hear them. What are they saying? He said, they're yelling. happens when it comes time for a saint of God to leave they some on the other side saying come on then yours did die someone from the church was there they called me they said hey brother yours sure enough is passed on something I couldn't do it I said look tell them I'll call Robert Grimsley He'll come and pick him up, and I'll be there. So I call, I call him at the funeral home. I said, go pick up Brother Stone. He's at the nursing home. Tell him where to go. Go to the nursing home. Get him. I'll come in the morning. I'll pick everything up because here's what the family said. You take care of everything. Just take care of it. I said, I'll come in the morning. We'll pick out a coffin. I'll get him, we'll get his clothes. I'll tell you when we're going to have him at the church. We'll set it all up. I called the next morning. I said, hey, I said, uh, what time do you want me to come and pick out a coffin for Brother Yours? They said, he's already in a coffin. I said, but I didn't pick a coffin out. And the, the one working the funeral home said, no, we picked one out. What did you pick out? They said, well, they got that big cherry coffin. I said, no, not that one. Oh, yeah, what's that? That's the most expensive thing they got in that room. And if you've been in as many rooms of them as I've been in, you can spend some money in a hurry. I said, they didn't really. Oh, yeah, he's in that big cherry coffin. I said, oh. It's probably the funeral. Eurus in here looking his way. I got Robert arm standing in that door right there and I pulled I said come here you and me are going to have a corner and I said something about to happen it happened at a funeral he said what's that I said we about to lift an offering today he said you're not lifting an offering I said oh yes I am this is our church I'll lift an offering if I want to and we're going to pay for this funeral today he said you don't need an offering preacher I said, Robert, that's one of the most expensive boxes you got. Full staff here. He said, you know what? I knew Brother Stone. He said, this one's on me. You know what I thought, Richard? I thought not only did God take care of him while he was alive, But he took care of him after he is dead. You know why he done that? Because he belonged to the Lord. You know today, if you don't know Christ as Savior, you know what you have? Not a hope. There's no hope for you. There's no hope. You don't have the garments. You're still in the miry clay. You're in the septic tank of the world. You don't have the fine linen on. It's not God providing your bread, though it is by the grace of God that you're still living. You are, you're under the, you are living under the condemnation of God today Amen. unless you be born again. Amen. Now, he chastens those that he loves. 
child of God, you've been getting whipped lately. Hey, I've had my share of whippings. That's how I know he loves me. You out there in left field on God? Joy gone. You don't hear his voice. Don't feel his presence. Things around you beginning to stink. Could be in the wrong place. Aren't you glad, praise God, that there's still the washing of water by the word? He's not running out. His word's forever settled in heaven. It's never going to run out. It's not got old, not got stagnant. It'll do any cleaning that you need done today. If you're hearing you're unsaved, you need to be born again. You won't get to heaven the way you are. Except you be born again, you'll not go through the gates. Huh? You can be the best moral man, woman, boy, or girl on the face of this earth. But except you be born again, you're not getting into heaven. As we stand and bow our heads and she plays soft on the piano. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.